Hey dudes, this is The Big Game. I'm Justin Hargett. Last week we got a little bit inebriated and we watched the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. I was hoping that by watching the All-Star Game and seeing players from across the entire league, we'd be able to find out who's who and who's the best and what teams we should be watching for the rest of the season. And you know what? I think it worked. I think the All-Star Game did something good. So I found out this week that the Angels and the Astros, the number one and number two teams in the AL West, were going head-to-head to determine first place. And after watching the All-Star Game, I knew that Mike Trout has been killing it in the month of July, and Jose Altuve is a hell of a second baseman for the Houston Astros. So Los Angeles came into the series with a one-game lead, but Houston just plays every single game like it's a home run derby. 15 runs were scored in the first game. Houston won 10 to 5. In game two, which is what we're going to talk about today on the podcast, Houston won 6 3 on the back of a couple really explosive home runs. So, regardless of the final outcome of game three, which is happening right now as I'm recording this podcast, the Angels Astros rivalry is sure to be a great pennant race to follow the rest of the way in the AL West. Joining me on the show today is Ryan Dunsmore editor of the Crawfish Boxes, which is a Houston Astros fan site. He is also the sports editor at the Fort Bend Herald, and you can follow him on Twitter at D underscore more five five. It's the dog days of summer, and nothing makes them better than baseball. I hope you enjoy our conversation. All right. Hey, Ryan, welcome to the big game. Thanks for having me on. Uh, So we just watched game two of the Houston Astros home series against the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, mouthful of a team. Uh, This has been a tight campaign between these two teams all season in the AL West, kind of going back and forth between number one and number two. Um, Houston came into the game on Tuesday night, uh, one game back in the AL West, but they've been able to win two games in a row, including the game that we're going to talk about right here, which is which was game two, which was a nice pitching matchup, but also Houston had some really great offense as well. Um, so now the Astros are up a game in the AL West. What did you think of last night and the series so far? Over those two games here, I've really, you've really seen the Astros kind of stake their claim in the, the division here. They did have, they stumbled into the All-Star break. They lost the division lead right before the All-Star break after having it for, I think, almost close to three months, or at least since the end of April. And they took that division lead and kind of coasted for a while and, and really had a, I believe they had a seven-game losing streak right before the All-Star break and looks pretty poor. Uh, now that, that now they kind of got that rest and everything seems to be clicking again and they're really leaning on their quality pitching. They added Scott Casimir and one of the young arms they brought up already, Lance McCullers, again sh- shined last night for the Astros. It really showed that they have a very solid one through four starting rotation. And on top of that, they have a, a veteran in Scott Feldman who they can who they can put in for the five, five spot and really have an answer at every position, uh, every uh, starting position if they want to. Now, if they decide to do something with the trade deadline, that could make this team even scarier. Yeah, it's probably too bad that you guys missed out on Cole Hamels. I guess Houston was the one team, one of the teams that he had a no-trade clause established for, even though like I, I couldn't quite understand why he wouldn't want to go to a team in first place in their division and instead go to the Rangers, who are in third. Uh, but, but yeah, it's too bad you guys missed out on Cole. 
I I really would be absolutely fascinated. Like I'm not like all upset that he did that because I mean yes he's a great pitcher, but I mean he's going to decide where he wants to go. But I, I really would just like to know his reasoning behind that. Not because the just this season I can understand oh well I'm gonna I'm gonna be able to pitch with you Darvish down the road, but why would you willingly have to want to go pitch outdoors in Dallas? <laughs> or I should say Arlington about half your half of your starts of the year like that just I, I'm not sure anyone likes to, to pitch in in Arlington yeah I think I heard maybe somebody say last night on the on the broadcast that uh, his mother was from Dallas and so I, I guess I could kind of see a little bit of a you know you you kind of want to go to a team maybe you grew up rooting for or something like that yeah well, I mean I, I guess I should say Texas is really, really big. That is a four-hour drive between Houston and Dallas. So that's not not any slash, but it's not that much of a big deal when when Texas you pretty much can drive ninety as much or, <laughs> or take a or get a jet or you know what he can live out in one of the palatial uh, suburbs called Sugarland and there's an airport that has been specifically built for the for the the rich and famous. So I, I don't <laughs> see why that's a problem. Yeah, no, Texas is a big state. I just recently did a road trip across the country. And I'm pretty sure I drove through Texas for like 40 hours. <laughs> um, so I, I want to talk a little bit about the Astros. I mean, I, I think I saw this at like the fastest of 50 wins in a long time for this team. Um, they're kind of in the middle of a youth revival. Shortstop Carlos Correa. He's one of the most explosive hitters in the league since he got called up a couple months ago. And uh, as you were saying, Lance McCullough is another first-round draft pick. He clearly has command of what looks like an amazing curveball. How did Houston get into this really enviable position? I mean, so many teams kind of want to, you know, tear down, sell off, and then rebuild. Is there anything specific about the Astros that led to kind of a a successful version of that? Unlike uh, most teardowns, the owner was willing to sign off on saying, okay, we are going to tear down every asset we have, not bring in a bunch of replacement, retread, keep us above, uh, keep our head above water kind of players to keep the team closer to 500. They said, okay, we're going to, we're going to tear away all the assets we have. We're going to stay at the bottom of the standings for a few years, get as many prospects as we can. It's really, um, if I were to equate it to another team, it's not like what the Sixers are doing, except the Sixers have taken an even further extreme because it doesn't seem like the Sixers are happy with their current status and continuing to want to stay at the bottom until they get some <laughs> either bigger asset. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know about that team. That team sounds really dysfunctional. But, but no, that's, I mean, that's, it's great that, I mean, it's great to kind of see that work because, you know, I grew up outside Pittsburgh, and there were a good twenty seasons of tear down and sell off with absolutely no payoff and, and it's it's nice that's kind of happening again for them now um, but it's good to see that Houston could kind of turn it around a little bit quicker than 20 years yeah it's been it's been really nice to see that because it really was I, I started writing for the crawfish boxes right when this, this started and the Astros switched switched uniforms and had a really terrible roster that that I could probably name some guys on the roster you've never even heard of that were playing major <laughs> league baseball uh, and it was really painful. It was extraordinarily painful to watch as a person who's just really used to watching high-quality baseball. It, it's, it was not that. By, by far, I think you probably probably have seen that uh, Jonathan VR butt slide, or slide in, uh, I forget, I think Brett, uh, it was uh, <laughs> Phillips from the Reds, he slid into his butt, and like that was the personification of the Astros <laughs> for a few years. You know what, that kind of that leads me to a question I wanted to get to later, but I think it kind of it might apply here, which is, you know, Maybe part of the success, I'm just, you know, spitballing here, 
Um, was the transition a couple years ago from Houston being a National League team to becoming an American League team uh, using the DH role, has that, is that really kind of maybe part of what's been pivotal to their success so far? Um, well, I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a main factor because, I mean, you're playing against a bunch of other teams that have a, have a designate here as well. I mean, yes, it is nice to be able to have a spot for Chris Carter and not have to feel bad about having him in the lineup or having Adam Gaddis in the lineup and um, not having to put him out in left field uh, all that often. But I think that really the success for the team has just been bringing up these prospects what luna called for since the beginning was called the process and it became it, it was something that was more internal with teams wearing the shirt that said the process and then it became the a houston wide phenomenon just saying that we, we we believe in what you're doing and that process has been develop find the right guys that fit into fit into the system and not not deviate from that now we're seeing them kind of waver in that with the, the trade deadline. And mm-hmm. Scott, Scott Kazmir hasn't been really a that big of a deviation, but thinking about, okay, well, we're going to go try to get David Price or we're going to try to get Cole Hamels. That's a deviation. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of the, the, the crux that most of those teams that do kind of rebuild. Eventually you get to that point where you need to have just, you need to have that extra player. I mean, when you're competing against squads like the Dodgers or the Yankees who are just stockpiling big name after big name. You know, you've kind of got to, like, start to to pry those, you know, assets, those kind of, like, veteran leaders to kind of help push you over the edge. Like, especially in, like, you know, say they slip and they have to play in the the, the wild card game and the, in the one-game playoff, and, you know, you've got to be able to have enough depth there to win that and then go into the division series and still have a strong chance to come out of it. Right. No, I mean now you're you're most any team that's going to be playing the wild cards going to be probably looking at the Blue Jays, and who really wants to face David Price for one game? Yeah, and especially and, after signing Tulowitzki, who just had a monster game in his in his first uh, time out with the Blue Jays. Wasn't it like a four four hundred and sixty foot home run <laughs> and two doubles? Yeah. But uh, speaking of home runs, I mean the the game that we're kind of ostensibly talking about here, game two. Uh, it had a couple of nice, couple of nice home runs in it, but it's nothing like Game One, which was 15 runs, nobody could hold a lead, just huge home run after home run, putting up big innings. And I guess that's kind of what I was thinking about. You know, NL team turning into an AL team is the way that the Astros play. You know, there were there were a couple moments in Game One, I think, where they were down like four to one, and I was like, ah, oh, this is. You know, I'm so used to watching NL baseball and just kind of like sitting on a lead and you know just just trying to like a pitching duel but the Astros just came out and they're like this is no big deal and then they just hit home run after home run after home run you hit the you hit the nail on the head there it's really it's been a really fascinating thing to watch this offense is probably the most unique in the major leagues of just it is absolutely boom or bust and I honestly I, I was at game one uh, in person and just sitting there and just thinking okay I, yeah that that stinks to watch Colin McHugh struggle so mightily in the first few innings here but really a four-to-one four, or four to one lead doesn't seem that safe for the Angels. Yeah. And quickly after that, just you saw that just uh, a home run, triples, doubles, and just and they're right back into the game quickly. Yeah, you know, I think it might have been a little bit of a different series if Mike Trout had been healthy for these first two games. Uh, there was a moment last night in the top of the ninth and the Angels were down and ostensibly out of the game, but they were able to kind of scrape back a couple of runs, and it looked like Mike Trout was, like, 
arguing with his coach. He's like, I got to I got to get out there. And unfortunately, like by the time he was suited up and ready to bat, uh, the Astros were able to get the third out to close the game. But, you know, as a as a, you know, a fan of the AL West, is are you afraid of this Angels team uh, or, you know, do you have any strong opinions about them one way or the other? Well, I, mean, I think any any team in the American League would be afraid of a team that has uh, Mike Trout and a rejuvenated Albert Pujols on it. Any team would be afraid of that. It's really that those two people have been carrying this team for the last few months. I haven't. I wasn't really. I, I wouldn't say the Astros are going to run away with the division. I just felt like they were going to keep a nice padded lead until they decided to lose a bunch of games in a row for the All Star break, and <laughs> and the Angels decided to get really hot. I mean, if I don't know if you've looked at the, Mike Trout's numbers during July, but they're absolutely astronomical, um, and, and even even above Mike Trout's standard. Uh, and but, then they went out and added Shane Victorino from Boston and a couple other outfielders to kind of help, you know, push push their cause too for the rest of the season. Yeah, I, they, I feel like Victorino and, and Murphy are both direct. I mean, obviously, I, I don't think they're the Angels are planted, but they're both. Uh, they have had a, had a pretty good track record of being pest for the Astros. So it's uh, especially with Murphy being back with a former Ranger, he he always seemed to find a way to beat the Astros. So it's it, it, they they built in up that depth. And and I'm a little more worried about that rush because I mean you've got you've now got you've added two more major or actually I say that back I believe they wasn't they also added Connor Gillespie from the White Sox mm-hmm. yeah that's that's those are three major league talents that are absolutely 100 uh, percent could be starting in a, a lot of places so it's that's adding that level of depth and you're getting you get trapped back after two days that's that's nothing that the Astros want to tangle with long term yeah it, it was fun to kind of follow this last night during the game. You know, the, the trade deadline is here. I think it's tomorrow afternoon. Uh, and, you know, there's so much wheeling and dealing, and it was kind of it was fun that, you know, the Astros and Angels were on ESPN, so, like, national broadcast, kind of a general information broadcast. And it was fun to kind of follow the rumors as they would kind of come in. Uh, and, you know, the, I, I was telling you earlier, like, you know, I was, I was all excited that the Mets were about to get Carlos Gomez back, and then it turns out today that that was totally a bust. But, you know, where, we talked a little bit about the trade deadline earlier, but is, is there anything else you'd like to see Houston do, or do you think they're ready to go for the rest of the season as they are? I think they could make it work. I think they've got. A, I think the one thing the Astros have uh, with their prospects is not necessarily the top shelf uh, prospects left after t- bringing up so many, but they have a lot of depth that they could they could expend in some way and and just simply say, well, we're, we're done with Chris Carter, we're done with John Singleton, maybe we'll bring up AJ Reed or someone like that. But in a perfect world, they could find if they find a partner, let's say the Padres, and you pick, you pick up Tyson Ross, you pick up Craig Kimbrell, maybe Justin Upton, someone, and you find a way and say, well, Padres, do you want nothing for these guys, or are you are you let them walk and get nothing for them? Or you need to trade, trade the Astros for X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. So you think another bat is what they'd be looking for, or, or, or? Yeah, they've been struggling mightily against left-handed pitching. So yeah, I think they need to really need a, a right-handed bat that would help out the roster. Well, so uh, let's let's play a little projection game. Who do you think is going to win this division? Do you think the Astros can kind of pull ahead and hang on to it for the rest of the season? Well, the Astros have a winning record against every team in the division except the Rangers. Uh, which I mean, that's uh, that is as for what for for all the years it hasn't been a rivalry, and uh, uh, I, I imagine since it sounds like you're not from Texas here, that that, <laughs> that uh, if anyone you could, you could tell that I wasn't from Texas. 
there's there's there, believe me there's no delusions of that was a rivalry any in any way shape or form we just kind of like this is cool it's two texas teams mm-hmm. but but now it seems like this is generally after this last series where they had the uh on-field brawl brawl i'd say that would be <laughs> more more of a rivalry so I, i'll take a i'll take a 500 mark with them but but having a winning record over the other team's division makes me think that Sure, they may they may stumble elsewhere, but I think that, that they are in the driver's seat right now for the division. Yeah, no, that I, and after watching these two games, you know, seeing the Angels kind of pull ahead in both, you know, scoring first in both of these games, but then ultimately kind of breaking down, pitching breaking down, not just the starters but the relievers as well, and just seeing like the power that the Astros have in this. Yeah, it, ju- it just seems to me that it's just a. A matter of time for the before they start to maybe pull away again and kind of you know get settled for this you know end of end of the season September October run. Yeah, that'd be pretty great. I mean, that's it would be the it'd be the first time since 2005 that the Astros would have made the playoffs. So, uh, looking around the rest of the league, or I guess yeah, just the rest of the American League, you know, you you were saying that it looks like the wild card will probably be you know either the Angels and the Astros versus the Blue Jays, but. Uh, what do you what do you think of the other teams that are contending for the playoffs right now in the American League? I, I think that I think the Astros match up well. Is it really? I think that it's looking at those teams like the Yankees and uh, the Royals. That they, I mean, the Astros have played have have a winning record against the Royals so far. They are they are the the Royals are rivaling a lot of the Angels. They both play the they both play that old school base play baseball the right way and take an extra base, be real aggressive on the base pass. Play really good defense, so it's. I mean, it's the Astros are not necessarily that they do have very good defense, but they're like like I've talked about before here. They are a boom and bust offense. So if you run into a, a very good pitcher and you and can only scrape away one run, can you beat a team that does everything right and does all the fundamentals right and takes an extra base and does well bunting and pushes run, runners over and you win one of those. One of those really tight games. Can you do that with an offense you're depending on home runs when you tend to either get a home run or strikeout? Yeah. Well, it, you know, speaking of of defense, you know, the Astros looked really good last night. Uh, there were a couple plays that Carlos Correa made at shortstop where he was just able to, you know, snag a kind of a slow rolling infield grounder and and you know laser beam to first to get him out. And same thing with uh, Jose Altuve. He, you know, he. He dove pretty much like backwards behind the second base bag to somehow snag a ball and then like roll over and kind of toss completely off balance to first to I can't remember who was running, but it was I think it was a fairly quick base runner. But they they had some real web gems, uh, as they like to say last night. So I think, you know, at a well-rounded team, maybe maybe they're not putting down bunts and, you know, getting those like uh, one run innings, but they certainly have. A lot of the defensive tools, I think, and and you know, spark to kind of compete in a in a short series. Yeah, when they're when they're healthy, they have three center fielders out there. Jake Marisnik is is probably the best defender, but George Springer came up playing center field, and Kobe Rasmus has played center field all his career in the major leagues. And then you have the complete opposite on 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 the mid center of the diamond. There, you've got someone that is nothing but hustle on Jose Altuve, and someone that is completely athleticism in Carlos Correa. Uh, I, there was a stat here recently. We saw Correa has nine home runs already, and that's already surpassed all American League shortstops. And I believe at this point he still has. I don't know if he's qualified for any of the the higher season-wide metrics, but he I think he already has the highest WAR of any American League shortstop. So it's you have arguably the best shortstop 
in in the league, in the American League already, and then you have someone who's just going to constantly give you all the hustle and at at uh, second base without Tuve. So it's you're getting a lot of good quality quality play uh, at the plate and in the field from the Astros. Yeah, you mentioned Colby Rasmus. I've been trying to work this joke into the entire episode, but uh, you know, you said he's he's a uh, He's had spent his entire career in center field. Well, I think he could have a second career uh, as a as an early '90s era WCW heel bad guy. So he's kind of got that like long, slickly greased hair. He kind of looks like a, a scrappy grappler. Uh, I think that guy could definitely be a pro wrestler. Well, you, what you need to see is that the, the Astros took a team photo recently this week here, where they all they all did the uh, the major league. They all put a blazer on, and Kobe Rasmus just slicked his hair all the way back. So it, was, it went from curly and wavy to completely straight. He looked like he was an extra in The Godfather. <laughs> yeah. That's great. And the other guy, the other guy I really liked watching uh, in this in this series so far was Brian Gaddis, who does the no batting gloves look. And he just kind of reminded me of like his big like you know lumberjack beard, like one of those uh, bad boy Red Sox from from 2004. It just kind of like fits right in. Well, the, the Houston is is tried to get a hold on the whole beard thing with with Evan, with uh, James Harden, and Evan, <laughs> Evan Gaddis really fits right into that. He's he is just the absolute most fun player I've watched this season. He gives is absolute all at every swing and, and is trying to hit it out of the ballpark. And yeah, the bat, no batting gloves, the beard. He just, he just seems just the epitome of ferocity. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think he's like a shoulder. You know, he's he's pretty close to a shoulder injury with with the like how hard he swings at those balls. He he better make contact, or you better hope he makes some sort of contact on his swing. Yeah, but all right. So game three, uh, this gonna air in a couple hours. So we'll be after the fact. Do you think the Astros are gonna get the sweep? Well, you're sending out uh, Scott Kasner in his home start. Uh, or his home first home start for the Astros. He is a Cy Fair native, which is a suburb of Houston, and so he is coming home for the first time pitching as an Astro. I, I think he's going to ride that emotional high, and they will get the sweep. Yeah, well, all right. You heard it here first on the big game. The Astros are going to sweep and take a two-game lead over the LA Angels in the AL West. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the Big Game Podcast. Thanks for having me on. All right, everybody, thanks for listening to The Big Game. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Please leave a review if you like what you hear, and drop me a line on Twitter, at BigGamePod. Also, check out our website, BigGamePod.com, and listen to all of our past episodes, including last week's one-of-a-kind coverage of the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. That's it for me. Go watch some sports, and we'll see you next week here on The Big Game. I don't know if you saw the the Mets thing where they they got Carlos Gomez and I was really excited and then and then they didn't. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was disappointing. I know that today was has been pretty rough for the Mets as well. Oh, the last eight years have been tough for the Mets.